Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we have Rafael Morosov on the show. Hey, Rafael, how are you? How are you? I'm, I'm really well. Uh, Rafael, I'm excited to talk to you about uh, all the stuff that you're doing in the OTT space and uh, working with all this exciting film and television content. Um, Rafael Morosov is the CTO, the tra- Chief uh, Technology Officer and the Chief Product Officer for Eurofins Digital Media Services. Eurofins is a global leader in the quality control and servicing of film and television content for major motion picture studios. OTT company is an independent content producers. And we're going to go through more about what uh, Eurofins is working on. And I assume probably, Raphael, what you're building for them and shaping for the, for the near future or for today. Uh, but before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career today. Yeah, uh, thank you for the intro. I started, I, I come from somewhat humble beginnings. I was born in, in Moldova back when it was part of the former Soviet Union. Uh, actually, kind of born and grew up in a tiny little village with no technology whatsoever. So it's, it's somewhat interesting that I ended up being uh, wow. a technology leader and shaping my uh, career. In well, you know, I've, it's interesting to say, you know, I, I've always found that people that don't grow up with something end up having a tremendous fascination for that thing. In my particular life, I, uh, as, as an American, I'm a little odd in that uh, my, my family did not have a television growing up. Oh. <laughs> and so I was, in, I was obsessed with TV as an adult because, because I had grown, not grown up with a television. So there you go. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's not the quite trick. as surprising. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's the trick of always getting people to, uh, to, to, to get your kids into technology is uh, to not let them use it. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, that's a difficult, you know, it's, it's probably another topic that you can do an entire show on, but uh, that's something that I have two young kids and we're dealing with on an ongoing basis. And me, again, being in technology, I have to be very, very careful about how I, I message that line for my nine-year-old, especially where, you know, he sees that I'm always involved with technology and we have to kind of keep it away from him to some extent. So, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, it's a different discussion altogether. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, started uh, tinkering with technology as soon as I came to the United States, which was in, was in 1989, quite a long time ago. Um, was fascinated, as you kind of alluded to, fascinated by all things tech because I really had seen nothing. I think the most advanced thing I'd seen was when I was visiting a cousin of mine in a big city in Odessa, uh, I saw a calculator and that was that, that blew my mind. Uh, now, now, just to set some parameters here, the calculator, if you typed in several large numbers and you tried to multiply them, it, it gave you a little E for a few seconds, and then it came up with the answer. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the background that I come from. Uh, I came here, we, you know, started tinkering with things. Uh, I remember my parents finally saved up enough money to buy me my first computer when I was in eighth grade. And they left the house and I promptly took it apart and then I couldn't put it back together. And I was mortified because this was a massive purchase for my family. Uh, and it kind of went on like that. I, I, I tinkered. Um, I started writing code when I was in about seventh grade and, you know, went through that, that 
that entire arc uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, you know, became self-taught, uh, self-taught software engineer, had my own business when I was still in high school writing websites for people. So I was kind of early on in that, in that space. I dropped out of college at some point because I was convinced by the company I was working for at the time to take on a bunch of stock options and run their R&D. September 11th came around, you know, things maybe didn't turn out quite as we expected, but I, I continued, I embraced my professional life, um, continued working quite a bit in the startup space and a lot in the enterprise space. So I, I worked for several of the major studios. I worked for Paramount Pictures and built a lot of systems there with uh, my team. I worked for CBS for a while and was an architect on their largest uh, system. We founded the uh, enterprise architecture team there. So I was the head technical architect there. Uh, went back to the startup world and uh, you know had some successes there. We built and sold a company a couple of years later uh, that did uh, commercial real estate valuation. So we, we were very fortunate. We built a company and an STO and co-founder. Uh, ended up selling that eventually first to Fuel and then to RealPage, which is uh, one of the largest uh, real estate software uh, companies in the world. They're publicly traded companies. So that happened a few years ago. And uh, that brought me to a company called MyEye Media, which I thought was a short break between entrepreneurial ventures. Um, that didn't quite end up being the way I envisioned. Yeah. And I mean, so my iMedia definitely then um, was acquired, I guess, by Eurofin. So tell yeah. me more about uh, how the, that combination came about and, and what you're up to at Eurofin's digital media services. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, Eurofin's is the largest testing company in the world. So they test everything from automobile, vehicle safety, to pharmaceutical safety, to nowadays COVID, of course, because every testing company is, is in COVID, um, and anything you can imagine. But they didn't have a content testing practice. So they were attracted by the idea of being able to expand further into the United States and being able to take on the content testing uh practice in the United States. We were the leading independent content testing company in the United States. And I'll, I'll tell you a bit, little about how that works. Um, and uh, yeah, we were purchased. I stayed on as the CTO of the content practice now. So Eurofins Digital Media Services is a wholly owned subsidiary of Eurofins Scientific, which is you know, a massive European corporation. Um, and uh, we test film, television, and now primarily OTT content. Uh, we test a, a massive amount of it for basically every studio you can think of, um, every OTT provider you can think of. We are and, and Raphael, uh, just just to clarify it for the audience. I mean, when you're saying you test it, what are you testing it for? Yeah, it's this is a, a bit of a mystery, and it was was to me before I joined the company. Actually, um, all content prior to it being released to the viewers uh, has to be tested in a number of different ways, which means you know, there, there are technical issues, so for example, perhaps during transcoding, uh, certain visual artifacts were introduced. Uh, oftentimes, almost everything that we see nowadays is composed out of many different pieces. So you have your VFX pieces and you have uh, your raw footage that goes through some level of editing. Uh, you have your audio and then it's composed into various containers and transcoded and delivered. So there's a lot of technical uh technical due diligence needs to be done to make sure that there are no sync issues, there are no dead pixels, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the, the kind of traditional subjective testing. So I'm sure most people have, have heard of the, uh, the Starbucks cup in the Game of Thrones finale. Um, so 
that is the type of testing we also do, right? So you want to make sure that if you're doing a period piece, somebody's not wearing an Apple Watch or, you know, you can't clearly see a, a, a cell phone uh, in their pocket. So we have... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, for Game of Thrones, you know, it was a, a, a science fiction world. There's no reason that they may not have had Starbucks. We just don't know. That's a, that's a fair point. And, and the way that it goes is I, I think the thought around the industry is that it was intentional. It was an Easter egg. Um, but that's the type of thing that we look to catch. We want to make sure that the, the user experience at the very end is optimized and they're, they're really focused on what they're trying to consume. They don't see a, a camera in the background, which happens quite frequently. Um, we want to make sure that the final user experience is, is, uh, conducive to being caught up in that experience, that story that you're trying to take in. Oh, that's great. And what a challenge, especially now with what I would say is almost like a tsunami of content that is pouring out really through these OTT channels. I, I don't know if we ever imagined that this many shows would be launched at one time ever. Uh, you know, it's quite an incredible experience. Um, and you guys are evaluating all of this content for any type of I would say processing issue, any type of potential anomaly or uh, dilemma that might exist in, in the footage. And I imagine also in the audio, that, that seems like it must require uh, some pretty sophisticated technology, which I suppose comes right back to you, Raphael. It, it does. It does. And there are several levels that, you know, we've always been a very techn technology forward company. Uh, you need sophisticated technology to be able to just play back the amount of content that we have to store and uh, and view and evaluate. And obviously, we have to be able to play back the raw content, not the compressed content, because we want to make sure that it's correct prior to it being sent downstream and encoded and, and uh, moved on. So, yeah, there's quite a bit of technology in it. But, you know, our, over the past couple of years and really since I've joined the company, our goal has been not just the specific technology we use for the testing, uh, but to really kind of transition us from being a traditional service-oriented company to being a software company. So we look at everything in terms of software. We look at our internal processes and how we can augment them with software uh, operationally, the way we interact with our clients, and moving forward, hopefully, a lot of the testing. And, and it's not quite there yet. There are software suites that do certain portions of the testing that we need to do, but it's still really, really human-centric. And we know, and you kind of hit the nail on the head, the biggest transformational change within our industry has been this explosion of content from Silicon Valley, right? So Netflix was first, and then, you know, Amazon is a massive content producer. Apple is a massive content producer. Um, and then all of the traditional studios now are, are moving in the OTT route as well, right? So HBO, who we just mentioned with Game of Thrones, so now they have their streaming service, and NBC has their streaming service. And Disney, of course, is going to be the new 800 pound gorilla in the streaming world with Disney plus um, we've seen some failures with Quibi. So there's a lot going on and the number of pieces of content has exploded by several orders of magnitude. So that's really been a challenge for us. Is that an area that you guys have developed uh, essentially a new tool for that to, to monitor in, I'd say kind of that, that level of scale? Yeah, absolutely. Because traditionally, if you think about a testing project that we would be engaged on, you know, a new studio is releasing a season of something, right? This is your season 22 of CSI uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Um, and uh, we're now, we're now given this project. Is, is, is that some, a show that I need to know is coming out? 
<laughs> sounds, uh, sounds, I think I can right. advise you that perhaps that may need to stay in the closet. <laughs> uh, but but essentially, you know, we got this this project. It it was uh, handled in in a manner very similar to the way that you would, for example, commission somebody to come and redo a bathroom in your in your house, right? You do some sort of evaluation up front. You say these this is the number of episodes and this is the specs that we need to conform to. And then you give a, a certain price for it. And there's a lot of you know handholding. There's a lot of white glove uh, service to it because the number of pieces of content is relatively limited and you can actually do that, right? You can put a due amount of attention to every single project. But when you're talking about now astronomical scaling of the number of pieces of content, and seasons dropping at the same time, generally in OTT, right? In most cases, we now have an entire season delivered on the same day. You can no longer really do that. So you need to be able to have automations in place. There has to be a self-service component. Business intelligence becomes a massive portion of this. So how do we really improve the supply chain for the people that we're working with, for the content creators? Because previously, again, a lot of one-off siloed projects that they dealt with, and maybe there was a manager internally that handled it and, and ran the PNL on that project. Uh, but now you have hundreds of projects simultaneously. So you really need to be able to handle them at scale. Uh, and we've been building a lot of solutions for that. So let me change gears a little bit here and talk about uh, the last year, year and a half. Just be curious uh, how COVID impacted what you guys are working on. Um, certainly my understanding is the consumption of video content accelerated, increased, uh, and the release, as you mentioned, of the newer OTT channels like Peacock and others uh, uh, continued. And I'd just be curious if it, if it has not changed much or how it changed the way you worked, et cetera. Well, there have been massive changes for us, just like any enterprise. Um, the first one and the most obvious one is working from home, right? That, that has been a change for everybody. For us, there's very special... Uh, component to that because we operate, you know, we, we work on pre-release content and that has to be highly secured. And for us to be tier zero uh, with some of our partners, that means that the content has to be constrained to air gap network uh, that cannot be accessed by anybody. Obviously, you don't want to have, you know, your new billion dollar movie have a leak prior to release. It's a, it's a really, really big deal. It's really an existential threat for a company like ours. Uh, you know, we if there's a big leak, and we've been very fortunate. We haven't had any. Um, th this could really be a, a massive change for us. So we've had to put a lot, a lot of safeguards in place. We've had to change the way that we work. We are trailing indicator because it, we're at the very end of the post-production cycle. So the first, you know, four or five months after the pandemic was really, really hitting everybody hard. We were okay because everything that we were working on had already been through filming and through editing and through post-production, and now it was coming to us. Uh, then we had a bit of a, a tough period, but we used that time to really focus on process optimization, uh, tighter integrations with our partners and partners that maybe didn't have the possibility for us to integrate with them. We built, uh, we would try to be clever and built around their limitations and, and everything from, you know, farms of web crawlers that integrate, that kind of interact with our uh, partners to you know, being able to build very specific integrations to measuring things much more efficiently. So understanding, you know, how many dollars are we making per minute of an operator looking at a piece of content? That was maybe less important when we were on a very high growth trajectory. 
And it's become extremely important now. We have to be very, very efficient, especially since the operator time in the facility is constrained. You just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The facility may close down because somebody has a COVID case. So it, it's been a very challenging time for us, but we've come out of it uh, very positively. We've had, you know, we've been doing really, really well. We've had our best last quarter was has been the best in the last two and a half years or so. So we're doing really, really well. Uh, we've been able to survive. And I think a lot of our competitors have, have really struggled. Um, so we've been fortunate in that respect. Well, it sounds like it was a mixed um, mixed period and you guys, like all successful companies, have come out stronger through this whole challenge. But as you look forward, what are the things that you're most excited about that you guys are working on? Yeah, I think really the most exciting thing. So we have uh, one of the things that we've done over the past couple of years is we've built a platform called QC on Demand. And this is aiming to address exactly uh, the thing that you alluded to, right, with the fact that the amount of the content budgets for a Netflix, for example, I think the latest thing that I read was that they spent something like $18 billion on content production in uh, Incredible. Uh, which dwarfs everything that the rest of the studios, traditional studios have spent. So um, we're trying to build a lot of technology. This QCN demand platform allows us to do a lot of things. It allows us to have uh, essentially handle this content at scale. Uh, it allows us to ingest and process it and run it through a series of automated tests at scale. And it allows us to leverage uh, native uh, language speakers all around the world. And we have people in testing and, and I, I don't want to misspeak, but I think something like 80 different languages uh, in 23 different countries. And we built a platform to allow them to securely log in and be able to do localization testing. So people can now view that, you know, that's, that's been the other part of this is, is all these OTT companies are trying to go global. Um, and you need to have the appropriate native speakers, again, not to ruin the, the viewer experience because you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to offend. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work uh, building out support for the marketing teams as well. So the same kind of QC on demand platform. How do you handle now, you know, for every episode that's produced, there are probably about 100 pieces of marketing content that are being produced. So now you have two more orders of magnitude in terms of what needs to be tested. So we're building tools for that. And then what I'm really, really excited about is the data that we're collecting. So the goal is to collect all of this data that helps us then down the road, once we're ready, train machine learning algorithms to be able to do some things that are currently not possible in automated testing. So we see a massive amount of content from every content creator you can imagine in every vertical. We see scripted, unscripted, animated uh, features, shows. It's globally diverse. So. We're really trying to build a data set uh, that eventually we're going to be able to train machine learning models on in order to be able to do some of this complex work uh, more quickly and be able to really scale because it's very, very difficult, obviously, to scale with, with just human testers. I can see that and I, I get excited. I listen to you talk about the translation services and I I can only imagine how useful that is. I, I remember when I lived in China earlier in my career, I actually used to love watching the, the movies that were subtitled into English badly because it was always very funny. But uh, certainly having a more effective translation will be, will be valuable. And the machine learning uh, elements that you're, you're thinking of adding, it is true we're still at that point where a lot of the, the data has to be collected in the right way for it to be useful in the relatively near future. And I can see that you guys are, are laying the pipeline 
to deliver that in an effective way. It's been great having you on the show today, Raphael. Uh, Raphael Morozov is the CPO and CTO at Eurofins DMS. Eurofins DMS is a global leader in the quality control and servicing of film and television content for major motion picture studios. Now very much in the OTT world as well um, and independent content producers. And so Raphael has been giving us the lay of the land of, of how the technology has evolved and really been able to deliver for the expansion in the digital video space and, and deliver all of the services that, that that industry needs in terms of maintaining high quality from a technology perspective, as well as from a quality perspective. And so, Raphael, it's been really interesting talking to you. If someone wanted to find out more about what you're working on at Eurofins, where should they find you? Yeah, uh, you can obviously find me uh, on the uh, social network for professional geeks like uh, myself on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. Yep. Um, so find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm R. Morozov at LinkedIn or Raphael Morozov. You're probably not going to find any other Raphael Morozovs in the world. Uh, so please, please find me there and feel free to, uh, to follow me. I, I try to talk about things that, that I think are relevant and interesting to the world of technology and to the world at large. Great. Well, Raphael, what an incredible personal story and what great work you guys are doing. Uh, we've been speaking to Raphael Morozov. Uh, he is the CPO and CTO at Eurofins DMS. And he's been our guest today on Uncaged, a program that provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the commerce of tomorrow. Raphael, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank Cheers. you so much. Have a great day.